Absolutely a pleasure to be here, Tim. Uh, you waded through every bit of that testimony. You, you heard and saw pretty much everything the jury heard and saw. What swung it? Uh, we hear that one jury member that you talked to who says, I just never could believe that gun went off by itself. At the end of the day, was that it? I do believe that that was a big deal. Two jurors who uh, we got to talk to yesterday actually said that that was crucial to their deliberations. There were several people who considered themselves gun experts of a sort on the jury, uh, according to juror Aubrey Gray, and um, who probably felt a lot about guns the way that we got this picture painted of Tex McIver as being sort of a guy who would frequently buy weapons. He owned uh, more than 40 of them, which were brought into the courtroom. And I think that, along with Tex McIver's own words to police, um, helped sway the jury, ultimately. They said they had to take emotion out of it. And remember that Tex McIver exercised his right not to testify. He did not choose to take the stand, which is his right. He understands what he's giving up by doing so. So the jury asked early on in deliberations to review Tex McIver's sole interview with police, which took place three days after he had shot Diane to death. And in that interview, he said that he was just handling the gun and the gun just went off. That's the only direct statement from Tex McIver that the jurors had about how that shooting might have happened. And com- com- combined with the driver's testimony, Danny Joe Carter saying that Tex McIver had his finger, uh, his, his hand, that gun in his hand and looked like his finger was on the trigger. And she saw him wiping, sort of wiping his hand after the bullet was fired. They said, we can't get around the fact that there was a loaded gun pointed at this woman and your hand was on the trigger. So even though the defense said that there was a possibility that McIver was asleep in the car somehow and was startled awake and that's what made him fire the gun, I think ultimately the jury heard uh, had heard a lot about how Ted, Tex McIver was a great marksman. Tex McIver talked about gun safety and muzzle awareness a lot. And to have that gun pointed at his wife's back, they thought um, he intended to pull the trigger. I was critical of Veronica Waters. I was critical of the prosecution. I thought they spent way too much time in this trial. Ultimately, two full weeks of testimony dealing with money. She has it. He doesn't. He wanted it. He killed her to get it. I thought they spent way too much time on that, probably lost the jury at points in that. And, and I thought they should have spent more time with the gun. It sounds like they spent just enough time with the gun. You know, it seems interesting that uh, another thing that Aubrey Gray said was that they did think about the motive, but in Georgia, motive is not required as an element of a, to prove a murder count. Um, so I think the state focused on that because they wanted to show how someone who is perceived to be a wealthy guy, even though we, we saw details during the trial of just how almost broke Tex McIver was in a, uh, of a fashion, that mm-hmm. is, at least money that they wanted to show there's a reason why this guy could have wanted to kill his wife. And the juror said, we did see that he stood to gain by having Diane McIver dead instead of alive, but we didn't think that that was what we could use to decide guilt or innocence in the case. Um, now, <clears throat> the judge did allow the SUV to be visited by the jurors twice, and he reopened the evidence um, after it had been closed. To, allow, to admit the SUV into evidence when the jurors asked to see it again, this time with the unlocked 38 that Tex McIver had used to shoot Diane. They wanted to go in there themselves, close the door, and see how that barrel lined up with the trajectory rod that was placed in the front seat um, where Diane was shot. The bullet hole, you may have seen pictures, right. is right above the magazine pocket and went straight through, came out of Diane. The shell casing we saw was 
still on the seat after she had been taken to the hospital. And so the jury wanted to see what the what the odds were, I guess, that Tex McIver's palm was up or down or how the bullet went into that seat based on how they thought the the barrel lined up with the trajectory rod. It's a fascinating case. And the judge said they had been allowed to handle the gun. They had been allowed to visit the SUV. This was just the logical next step, sort of putting two pieces of evidence together, he said. Your son, I follow you on Twitter, and I saw at one point during the proceedings you mentioned that uh, at least one of these network TV types were in there, producers on Dateline, NBC, or some of these folks. Uh, this has all the markings uh, of, of a case that we'd watch on one of those shows. Yeah, I mean, you've got this uh, impression of a wealthy couple. They're both well-entrenched in the Republican Party here. Tex MacGyver, known as a judge maker, a fixer, a guy who knows a lot of people. You know, they were essential in helping um, Donald Trump get elected. You know, big folks in the GOP community in the in metro Atlanta and in the state. And they give the impression of being this incredibly happy uh, married couple. As a matter of fact, we heard so much testimony about how Tex and Diane were so much in love and had an enviable relationship. So you've got the money aspect, you've got the sort of popularity aspect. They were well-known, at least in their social circle. Diane did extremely well for herself. We heard she was worth $12 million when the two of them got together. And uh, and to many people, they seemed like an ideal couple. And it seems really shocking to find um, that here's a guy who suddenly shot his wife. And, you know, yesterday, Billy Corey was at the press conference, Billy Corey being the head of U.S. Enterprises, who was a very good friend of Diane and uh, also her boss who, interestingly, when he testified, had a really nice thing to say about her. He said, you know, she was really like a, almost like a shy girl in pigtails when he met her. But she wasn't shy and retiring very long, he said, and she soon uh, promoted herself <laughs> to the presidency and the company. So he didn't even know how much he paid Diane because he said that she handled that, that thing. He couldn't even tell us what her salary was. But she was, she was such a go-getter. And so to paint this picture of this couple having some sort of trouble, Billy Corey said yesterday when they started to think that Tex McIver wasn't so innocent, was also hearing him say uh, the thing about the gun just went off. Everybody knew that Tex was a good shot. Everybody knew he was very careful with guns. Uh, For him to have said that, and about that gun in particular, he had a 38 revolver, a five-shot 38 revolver, which if you've tried to pull the trigger, you know it's not super easy to pull the trigger. And his own lawyer said that the hammer was not cocked. And so they said that's an average of 12 pounds of pressure needed to pull the trigger. And for them, he said that's when they started to think that something was amiss there. Big mystery. Uh, Quickly, when is sentencing? We don't know. Um, There's some indication that it could be late May, but the date hasn't hasn't been confirmed. So we're going to keep an eye on that and see. Of course, uh, murder has an automatic life sentence attached to it. We'll see if there's any sort of appeal bond that Tex McIver might be granted in the meantime. Uh, I know his, his lawyers probably have some things lined up already for appeal, so we'll see if, if anything changes and keep an eye on the sentencing. Veronica Waters, get some rest. Thanks for your time this morning. Absolutely, Tim. Take care.